0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. I'm my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell, as always. Paddy, how are you?
1: I'm positively fantastic, Gary. It has been a busy, busy day, and it's only going to keep being busy. So I might as well get stuck into this podcast. How has life with you been? How has you know the summer for you been not uh, having you know, 40, 50-odd hours of your life gone doing medical study? Um, and you've actually been able to do triage work you've actually been able to you, you know that stuff that you used to do you know like live your life and stuff you know you've been able to do that imagine
0: that um but how has the summer been for you it's been fantastic we've had surprisingly good weather here in ireland for this summer so long may it last you know that's that's all we can wish for so there we go
1: Fantastic. So it's all about the weather for you. I see how it is. I see. Right. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're not here to talk about you. You're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the topic of today. And the topic of today is continuing on the fat loss series that we have been running. And in particular, today we're going to be talking training in regards to fat loss because there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of just outright lies Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you know whatever you want to think of it as just complete incorrect information with regards to training for fat loss. And a lot of this is, you know, put out by well-intentioned people or well-meaning people, but a lot of it is actually just poorly thought out practices, right? So we're going to split this podcast effectively up into two podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about resistance training, right? And then the next podcast, we're going to talk about cardiovascular training. I do want to note or point out that obviously that's not all the types of training that you can do. There is obviously a multitude of different types of training and we obviously can't cover them all. But these two categories are pretty much you know all encompassing because you can use resistance training you can use that as a a synonym for anything that applies resistance to the body like you could say like gymnastics training is resistance training like you can put it under that kind of bracket a lot of sports uh, like strength based sports as well especially obviously Fall under that bracket. And the same with cardiovascular training, like a lot of sports and stuff fall under that bracket. And the reason I bring that up is because I know there are a lot of people that listen to the podcast that also potentially have sports as well as their fat loss goals or their general training goals or whatever. Right. And so it does all kind of mold together or fit together, if you will. Right. And but I suppose the first thing we need to dig into, and I'm just going to kind of list these off because if you get this in your head correctly from the start and it does actually make everything a little bit more easy to understand right and what i'm talking about is like why are we training like why training is important for fat loss right because as we've been speaking about in the, the previous podcasts you might think of it purely from the perspective of a calorie effect right because we've been talking about the diet we've been talking about different parts of the diet and we've always related it back to the fact that calories in calories out that you know calorie equation is the most important thing when we are looking at fat loss right in terms of actually achieving the result like obviously it's not the most important thing full stop um but it is the most important thing when we are trying to elicit that adaptation of fat loss when we're trying to get the body to release fat and then you know mobilize that fat and use that fat and effectively lose that fat right so why is training important? Is it just a calorie expenditure? Because if it's just a calorie expenditure, then certain protocols or certain methods we're going to prioritize, right? But, and hopefully you will agree with this, Gary, um, training is much, much more than just you know the calorie expenditure during that session or potentially even after that session. It goes beyond that, right? There are a few things that we can look at, and again, I'm just going to list these off, and then we'll bounce around a few ideas with them. So the first thing is calorie burn. Obviously, it plays a role, right? So if you're trying to lose fat, it makes sense to do some sort of training, some sort of exercise, some sort of formalized, you know, movement, so that you can get, uh, you know, you can burn some calories. Otherwise, you're going to have to diet on fewer calories, right? Like if you want to induce a certain deficit, like you know, 500 calorie deficit, like do you want to eat 500 calories less or do you want to do some combination of exercise and, you know, eating less, right. Or potentially just exercising. And I'm talking about it from the perspective of, you know, someone coming to this new, that they're like, I've never trained for my life. I've, you know, I, I want to lose some weight. Right. If we get both sides of those equations, or both sides of that equation of calories in calories out, if we can manipulate both sides, obviously it has a synergistic effect. Um, and that is true of various mechanisms, which we've talked about previously, right? So calorie burn, that's the first thing, you know, this, it, it helps, right? The next thing then is muscle retention. And this is especially true of resistance training, right? And this is important because a lot of people get it into their head that, oh, I'm just looking to lose weight or lose body fat. But in reality... The vast majority of people are looking to create a look, right? They're looking to create a certain look with their physique. They don't want to just become smaller versions of themselves. They want to become a certain look, a certain ideal that they have in their head, right? Now, sometimes that is unrealistic, sometimes that is, you know, completely realistic, but either way, they are aiming towards something. And it is very rare that you're going to have someone go, I actually am completely happy with the overall structure of my body and all i want to do is lose fat right that's it's very rare that that happens they're going to come to you and go you know i wouldn't mind my shoulders being a little bit bigger i would i want to create like a like a v taper for a guy perhaps maybe if it's a woman they be like i actually want my glutes to be a little bit bigger or i want to tone up my quads or you know stuff there's going to be more specific you know ideas or ideals with the the, the physique overall and it's not just losing fat right so muscle retention and muscle building like they're kind of two sides of the one coin here in terms of we're going to do some resistance training so that we can actually create that look that we're looking for and we're not just becoming smaller versions of ourselves it's again rare that it's the case that people want to just become smaller versions of themselves like if you were just like like i always use it as like a analogy of like a balloon like if you were to inflate a balloon and you're like "I, i don't like the way this balloon looks right and then you deflate that balloon right the balloon still looks the same way. You've just made it smaller, right? Like if it's, you know, whatever type of balloon, different types, you you got like long balloons, circular balloons, whatever, right? It's like, no, you actually want to change the type of balloon. That's what most people want to do, right? Um, So muscle retention is really important, especially if we are going to be inducing a calorie deficit. And this is obviously important for the aesthetic side of things, but it's also important for the health side of things, because you know, you're laying down a foundation of muscle now while you're younger, that's hopefully going to support you into your older age, when you do become more, we'll call it anabolic resistance, resistant, and it's harder to build muscle, you know, as you get older, right. And um, so it is important to you know lay down a foundation of muscle when you are younger, right. And we don't want to just destroy that muscle by dieting. We only just get rid of all that muscle in the pursuit of again becoming a smaller version of ourselves. So what we do is we do some resistance training. And again we'll, we'll come back to resistance training in a second, right? And then further to that, there's it's important for bone mineral density. And this is also something that again, you might not think about it when you're younger. You might be like, who fucking cares? It's just bones. They're just, they're just there. They're just in, in your body, you know, they're just irrelevant. Right. And that's just not the case, especially as you get older, because, you know, it is the bone mineral density you put down now that is going to support you as you get older, right? And that is especially the case for women when you go through menopause and you don't have that, we'll call it helpful hand of estrogen or, you know, potentially other sex hormones as well, you know, helping with bone mineral density, both in terms of laying it down and then also retaining it, right? So you want to create you know, effectively stronger bones when you're younger, so that you do have that little bit of leeway when you are older, right? And then, obviously, and again, this is related to calorie burn. We want to have this overall bigger energy flux through the body, and and again, that is from a you know calorie burning perspective, a fat loss perspective, but also just from a health perspective, right? Like you want to have, like I always think of it, it's like you know, uh, objects in motion can see, tend to stay in motion, or if you think of it like a a rolling stone gathers no moss, right? Like we want the body to kind of be breaking things down, rejuvenating them. You know, we want things to be in motion rather than stagnating. And that's a very, I don't know what you would call it, a metamorphized, anthropomorphized view of things, but it does help you to understand a little bit why like something like energy flux, like this constant flow through of energy makes sense. And again, you can argue it does make sense from a... A fat loss perspective which is obviously what we're talking about here in that you know if you're getting this higher energy flux through the body you are potentially making it easier to you know lose like stubborn body fat right like it, you could make arguments around that now whether that plays out in reality it's hard to tell i don't think there's ever been a study done of like oh well, someone loses five kilos with a combination of exercise and uh, you know, calorie deficit from nutrition and then versus someone who only does it through nutrition. You know, it's like, I don't think those studies have been done in terms of looking at, you know, whether or not stubborn body fat differences, right? And, um, but again, we can hypothesize, right? And obviously, again, from a health perspective, in the broader scheme of things, exercise is, you know, pretty fucking important and um, good for the heart, good for the cardiovascular system in general, good for your yeah, blood pressure management, good for a whole host of other things. Um, but yeah, training training is pretty important. You know, Your bodies are meant to move. Um, you know, if you don't put that input in, you're not really going to be at your best self, right? And again, I say that knowing that people you know potentially can struggle to get exercise in. So I'm not saying that as a, an elitist, like, oh, you have to exercise or you're never going to fucking optimize your life. But in reality, that is the case. And it's unfortunate that it is the case because you know if you don't like exercise, it's it's going to be damn hard for you to really get all of the the health outcomes that you want. Really be in the best position overall from you know multiple perspectives. Um, but also I don't want it to be a case of people thinking that that means I have to exercise every single day or I have to do this multiple times per day. It's like, no, the actual effective dose, yeah, it's actually pretty low once you really dive into this stuff. Right. So Gary, do you have anything to add in terms of why training perhaps would be a good idea in general for a fat loss diet with the fact that, you know, we obviously want to be healthy as well.
0: Yeah. So I think that we can break it down into our standard, uh, three pillars to to summarize, which is very much in line with what you said, where our first consideration is health, then performance, and then body composition. So what role does training play in the health process here during fat loss? It's obviously supporting the maintenance of muscle mass, bone mass, insulin sensitivity, and all of the other benefits of exercise. So it goes without saying that training during the process um, of fat loss is absolutely going to maintain uh, your health and support your health, not only in the short-term, but also in the long-term and specifically resistance training in this case has a r- really pronounced benefit because of the fact that you're being able to, you're able to maintain muscle mass and or gain muscle mass as well as strength, um, during that process of weight loss. So that's something that's really important. The second pillar then is performance. So does it improve performance? Of course it does. If you're stronger, Um, even if it's just, even if you're just someone in the general population who wants to function well, look good, feel good, having that extra bit of strength, that extra muscle endurance, et cetera, that's all going to be facilitated through training, which carries over into easier activities of daily living. Then whether that be moving a couch or stocking shelves at work or whatever it is that you're required to do each day. So from a performance perspective, if it's the activities of daily, daily living, Or performance in your sport or simply in the gym, it absolutely makes sense to be resistance training. And then finally, obviously, the body composition side of things. You don't just want to be a smaller version of yourself. You want to have a more muscular appearance. That's what most people want, whether they know they want it or not. Because even if you're just someone who's looking to get toned, as most people are kind of looking for, the process of getting to that point where you look more toned involves weight training because you need a bit more muscle to have that look at a given level of body fat so from all the three pillars that we feel are important i think lifting throughout the process of fat loss is more or less essential one
1: thousand percent
0: right so
1: this is where we start digging into some of the, the, the common misconceptions because if we're talking about resistance training right people have it in their mind that that means a few different things like people will categorize resistance training into like multiple categories they overlap some of them talk about different names or whatever like someone will say i'm doing strength train strength training and they'll mean like i don't know like five reps or something like especially in ireland if you come from like a a sporting background i don't know why but everyone's like oh i do strength training and it's like five sets of five and it's like like you're a, a gaa player like what like why <laughs> you know why are you doing this right um but they'll have all these different ideas around it and you know maybe some people do like you know higher rep ranges and again i say higher rep ranges like you know what does that mean for you you know 8 reps might be a higher rep range for you 12 reps 15 20 25 you know it's it's hard to say exactly what a higher rep range is for you um, because again it's it's all vague right but the interesting thing is what people say for like muscle building, right? They'll be like, oh, these are the principles I adhere to for muscle building. You know, while I'm trying to build up my body, I'm trying to build muscle, I'm trying to get stronger, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. They'll adhere to certain resistance training principles. However, when we shift the focus and we go, oh, we're actually going for a fat loss phase now, we want to actually, you know, tone up the body a little bit, tighten up, lose a little bit of fat, whatever words you want to use to describe it, you know, they will all of a sudden change their resistance training principles, right? So I suppose that's my first question to you, Gary. Do you need to change your training program massively when you are, you know, entering into a fat loss phase? Is there a difference? Like, is there a reason, you know, theoretically, is there a reason physiologically why we would go, you know what, during a a muscle gain phase or a maintenance phase or whatever, it makes sense for your training to look like X Does it make sense to, or does it make sense to then change it when we're like, oh, we need to go for fat loss?
0: Yeah, my general perspective is no. And the reason for that goes along with a a fairly common phrase and that is you know that which builds muscle is that which will keep it and if you've always been training a particular way and it's led to great gains in muscle then that's going to be what keeps the muscle around as well um, during the fat loss process and you know your answer to that might be well Gary I wasn't thinking about it in terms of muscle maintenance I was just thinking about it in terms of fat loss how I can maximize my fat loss and the reality is that You don't really want to be using your resistance training as a fat loss tool because it's a very inefficient and fatiguing way of doing so. Because if your training is already set up in such a way that you've been training to build muscle. So let's say you're doing five days of weight training per week, you know, a lot of weight training, you know, you could do six days, twice a day, you know, really high reps, lots of sets and burn a lot more calories but you're also increasing your risk of under-recovery, potentially injury. You mightn't be adapting to the training that you're doing. You're spending more time in the gym, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you were to do something like keep your weight training standardized with the aim of maintaining your muscle, and then maybe do more steps throughout the day or add in a cardio session that's lower in fatigue, that's going to allow you to burn more calories without all of that additional fatigue that comes with extra weight training. So I think your weight training should always be aimed at your primary goals. So, beyond fat loss, what's the actual aim of your training? Is it to develop strength? Is it to support your sport? Is it to build muscle and keep your training in line with that goal? That's not to say that there's no difference in energy expenditure from different weight training programs. Of course, there is. And there's also a significant difference between individuals. If you can squat 300 kilos, and the definition of work from a physics perspective is the amount of force multiplied by the displacement of that load. So, if you're moving a 300 kilo barbell versus a 30 kilo barbell, you're doing a lot more work, and thus your body has to use more energy to produce that work. It doesn't just come out of nowhere, you know, we're still following the laws of physics. So, as a result, that means that much stronger people doing the same amount of sets are going to be burning a lot more energy when they're in the gym versus people who are really light. And that then can vary depending on how fit someone is. So if someone is super fit, they might recover from their weight training really easily. Whereas someone who is, you know, quite unfit, they might be, you know, have an elevated heart rate throughout the session and they're not recovering between sets. And that might lead them to burn more energy within the session, but we would hardly consider it to be a good thing that person is less fit and less able to tolerate their training. We know that that person is going to be less recovered after the session and more fatigued, which can then carry over into reductions in non-exercise activity beyond the gym and also subsequent declines in performance or lack of adaptation from that training. So overall, I think it's, it's pretty clear that if you're, adopting a, a fat loss uh, process with both with respect to both training and nutrition your training should stay aimed at your primary training goals it's not a it's a it supports fat loss for sure but it shouldn't be viewed as your most potent fat loss tool and I would rather someone try to standardize their daily activity get their training into to support their goals and then keep their calories on track and I think that that's really what you need to be thinking about doing
1: yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And I always think about it like your resistance training, it's, it's not a fat loss tool. Well, obviously it helps with fat loss. Like we just discussed, like all training is, you know, good for fat loss to an extent, obviously if calorie deficit is created, et cetera. Right. But resistance training, the goal of resistance training is to get stronger or to build muscles or should say, and, or build muscles because you can get stronger without potentially building muscle. Right. Um, but, if you think of it purely from a calorie burning perspective, you're always going to start trying to manipulate your resistance training in a way to maximize that. And you're gonna come up with different protocols, different, you know, strategies, whatever, so that you can get more calorie burn. But like Gary mentioned there, like sometimes this can be a little bit of a, you know, a false God, if you will, where you're like, oh, well, if I just do more volume, I, I'll end up burning more calories, you know, cause I'm just doing more work overall. But in reality, it's like, well, like that's not necessarily true because if you had gotten stronger throughout the process, potentially they would be, end up being the same. You know, obviously again, huge amount of variance. It's hard to say. Like if you go from doing one set to five sets, like I don't care how fucking strong you get. Like it's, it's going to be a little bit of a difference, you know? And so it it can be a little bit of a false God when you're thinking, oh, well, I'll just switch to doing higher volume because I want to get more calorie burn. Like "Mm, it's not. That's not always the case. And also there is a trade-off with that, which is, you know, maybe you don't build as much muscle, right? Because you have to do more volume and now you're not going as close to failure. Um, Or perhaps, you know, you get more muscle building. I don't know what your training has been like. You know, there's, there's so many questions to answer within this, so many little nuances to this, depending on where you are currently at, right? But we definitely don't want to think of resistance training as purely a calorie burn perspective, because again, it incentivizes poor resistance training practices, which usually end up not leading to the best strength outcomes or not leading to the best muscle building outcomes, right? And you've seen this before you know, you might've experienced this yourself where you, you know, try to maximize, oh, it's all about the calorie burn. Maybe you have something like an Apple watch or a Fitbit or whatever other calorie tracking, you know, device. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go into a training session and I'm going to try to burn X amount of, you know, whatever calories right and you're going to try to burn through so many calories straight the whole session and you're like i'm going to do xyz to achieve that i'm going to do you know extra sets i'm going to do drop sets i'm going to do supersets i'm going to do whatever right you're going to do all these different things to make sure that you know the calorie burn target is hit right and you see people do this all the time and what you often see is these people are just as strong as they were when they started doing this stuff, you know, and like, they're, they're no stronger right now. Maybe they might be a bit more adapted to that training. Like they used to be able to do, you know, I don't know, fucking lunges with 35 kilos, say for example. And then when they started doing these supersets and whatever else, it's like they had to drop that down to 15 kilos and now they're back up to 35. It's like, yeah, well, you didn't actually get any stronger. Like, yeah, you're more adapted to this, you know, work output, in you know a unit of time, this density of work, if you will, um, but you didn't actually get any stronger overall, right? So it's like, okay, we're not actually getting stronger. And it's like, is it actually better from a muscle building perspective? Well, you know, it's it's hard to say. You know, if you're not going to maximize the amount of weight you can effectively lift, if you're not going to maximize that progressive um, tension overload you know, like you're probably not going to get the best muscle building outcomes. And this is especially true because once people switch to this, like, oh, it's all about the calorie burn perspective, they start, you know, having real sloppy technique. It's just like, oh, I need to get through like 15, 20, 30, 50 reps or whatever it is, the target that they put for themselves. And it's like, they're just kind of going through the motions. They're not actually connected with that because they're thinking like, oh, it's all about calorie burn. It's not about, you know, weight on the bar. It's not about, you know, exercise technique. It's not about like getting these like really crisp, beautiful reps or anything like that. It's like, no, it's all about getting my heart rate jacked up. You know, I could, you know, do some, you know, nicer techniques some heavier weight or whatever, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to try superset this with this other exercise. And I'm going to be like running around the gym, like a fucking madman. Right. And it's like, what is that actually getting you? Because even if we say that's better for fat loss, right now, most people, as we said, fat loss is not the only goal. Someone wants to become more capable with their training. Like if you're going to put in four or five, fucking 10 hours of work into the gym, you want to get a return from that. You don't want to just be again, a smaller version of yourself, right? Even if it is a fat loss diet that you have, like you want to come out the back end of that. And you want to be like, Oh, I've actually, you know, increased my muscle a little bit here, here and here. You know, I've also built a bit more strength. I'm more capable of doing, you know, I don't know, chin ups, dips, body weight exercises generally, get easier when you weigh less. Um, but you're like, oh, I'm actually stronger at, you know, my overhead press or my deadlift or whatever, like you're looking for these little improvements along the way. And then also, you know, your fitness as well, which, you know, we'll, we'll touch on in the next podcast in, you know, on cardio. Um, but it's like, you know, you want to be fitter or you want to get a, like a lower resting heart rate. You want to get all these other adaptations, um, that are, you know, helpful, beneficial, increase VO2 max, whatever. Right. It's like, if we don't train effectively for those other goals and all we do is maximize calorie burn, you know, it's, 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 again, it's kind of, it's kind of empty, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like you lost some fat, but you're no better as a human. Like you're not stronger. You're not fitter. You're not, whatever. It's like, you're kind of the exact same. And again, you see this all the time and people just you know spin their wheels in the gym where it's like, you're not getting stronger. You're not building muscle. You've incentivized these really poor training practices. So you don't actually end up getting all these other benefits from resistance training because all you care about is this calorie burn, you know? And also it's, it's kind of, it can definitely be disruptive to your life, especially if you have like a calorie burn target, because it's like, Oh, I haven't hit my, I have an hour to train the gym. I haven't hit my target. And now it's like, okay, well, I have to add on 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever onto that. And it's like, yeah, well, you were actually supposed to pick up the fucking kids. So, you know, um, it can be quite disruptive, but what are your thoughts, Gary?
0: I agree. I mean, I don't think I have anything else to add there. I think, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to add. You're right. Correct. Agreed
1: fantastic right and the next question i'm just going to ask you is like and it kind of relates to this um it's like how much volume should we be doing for a given body part right because if we're saying like you know we don't necessarily want to change our training right like people would say you know potentially um if we're dieting you know recovery is less you know so maybe we should do less overall work right? And out the gate, like they they go into a calorie deficit, they've dropped calories by whatever, 250, 300, 500, whatever the fuck it is, right? They've dropped calories by that much. But then what they will also do is they'll be like, oh, I just don't have the calories to support that training. So I'm going to reduce the amount of volume that I'm doing, the amount of exercises that I'm doing, whatever, right? So basically they, they reduce the volume of work that's being done, right? Then conversely, and it's kind of related to what we were just talking about, you have the other side of things where people will say, oh, I'm dieting, so that means I must do more volume, again, in this pursuit of burning through more calories. They're like, right, you know, I was doing 15 sets per body part, now I'm going to jack that up to 20 sets, because, you know, 20 sets is more, and I need to get more calorie burn. So where is the the optimal which one of those two you know, it can only be one or you know, of these two dichotomous opinions gary it could never be somewhere in between you know and um, like where do we fall with this like what like how do we how do we look at this
0: yeah so i mean it's it's a case of again just kind of falling in the middle you have to you have to realize that while ex, while being in a deficit does not necessarily um it's not going to reduce your tolerance for volume or your recovery or your performance that much. It's certainly not going to be favorable either. So you'd be leaning in the direction of reducing volume, but you wouldn't do it proactively. Okay. So you would do it as required. So if you've been following a program, let's say where, um, you've been doing, let's just say 20 sets in a workout, forget the per muscle stuff, just say 20 sets in a workout. And they're at, you know, 70%, one rep max on average, and you're doing 12 reps. Okay. So, you know, relatively challenging work, then you would kind of continue on that approach roughly around the same amount of volume that you've been doing as you enter your fat loss diet, but you would anticipate or, 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 or at least have in your mind that there may come a point where. I'm not able to recover from this as much, or I don't have, just don't have the gas tank to be able to do all these sets. So you might reduce a little bit. And when doing that, you would typically make a reduction from the muscle groups that feel they're getting more fatigued Um, So if you have some muscles that get really sore from training, others that aren't really getting sore at all, then you would make the reduction from there. Um, Or alternatively, body parts that are strong for you already, and you want to emphasize less, you could um, take the volume away from there. But to be honest, in my experience, at least for the vast majority of people, this doesn't really have much of an impact. I think that when you're thinking about reducing volume, I would be more considerate of that in people who are doing either concurrent training, so people who, let's say, are playing um, a field sport and also doing weight training, um, I might consider reducing their weight training to allocate more of those energy resources when we're in a low energy state towards their primary sport. Um, Or what was the other thing I just said? Uh, Brain is gone blank. Um, yeah, I can't remember what I was saying anyway, the, yeah, people who are doing concurrent training, um, I would consider, um, that, but overall, like, I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have too much of an impact. Oh yes. The other example would be people who are getting to extremely low levels of body fat. So if you're at an extremely low level of body fat, like 4%, like veins all over your abs, like your glutes are lean, you're preparing for a bodybuilding competition or something like that. Yeah. Or just the beach, you know, just a casual holiday to can sail. Then in that case, I, I would also, you know, expect that there might be some reductions in volume because of the extreme that you're taking your physiology to. But for the most part, most people are staying within a relatively healthy range when they're trying to get lean. If you're using a modest calorie deficit, it sh- shouldn't impact you too much. And to be honest, from what I observe, most people are more focused on their overall lifestyle when they're trying to pursue fat loss. So they'll try to, you know, be on point with their sleep a bit more. They're, you know, paying more attention to getting their protein in and having good quality meals and preparing for the gym and getting to the gym. It just tends to be how it is um, because people are, when they're bulking, you know, or in a gaining phase or maybe not tracking at all, other things kind of tend to slip too. You know, you might be tracking your training as much. You're not really, you don't really know how many sets you're doing. You're just kind of winging it that's what a lot of people do and then they suddenly focus in 100% when they're trying to lose fat because you very clearly see the week-to-week changes um so so yeah that that that's another thing that that happens a lot um and for that reason some people might just be able to maintain their training quite well
1: yeah and this is one of those things where again like the outcome of the fat loss phase is actually going to dictate some of your thinking, and this is unfortunate because that has led to a situation where someone will be giving advice, you know, with the you know idea that oh, I'm talking to people that are trying to get absolutely shredded, so they'll say stuff like oh, you're probably going to get a little bit weaker when you know you diet, you're probably going to you know have poor recovery when you diet, and people take that as like oh, that's what happens when you you, you diet, when in reality that person that was saying that was coming from the perspective of, oh, I'm actually a competitive bodybuilder. And I'm talking about, you know, the last fucking six weeks, 10 weeks, whatever, before a show. And you're like, this person is talking about another person dieting who is already, you know, sub 12% body fat. And it's like, they're creeping down to like single digit body fat and then to the lower end of the range of single digit body fat. However, someone else will pick that information up and they'll be like, you know, 25% body fat, a lot of like free energy, you know, potential uh, available on their body. And it's like this, it's not the same thing. It's, it's not like, you're not going to experience the same things like getting from 25% body fat down to 12% body fat. It's not the same as getting from 12% to 6%, you know? So it's like, there are differences there. And that leads to a situation where, you know, the, the rules you apply, for getting like extremely lean are different than the rules you apply for just, you know, general fat loss, you know? Like I I rarely see people once they go into it with the right mindset. I rarely see people getting weaker or, you know, not being able to do the same amount of volume when they're dieting in a general context, you know? Like I rarely see it. Like sometimes you might notice a little bit of a dip in recovery from, you know, if you're doing a higher volume of training overall, you know, like you're doing five, six days of training. But if someone is doing a a relatively manageable training schedule, you know, four or five days per week, it's like for you, you're probably not going to notice a a huge amount of a drop-off once you do enter into a fat loss phase, right? So, when we talk about like how much volume you should do, because that was obviously the original question. First of all, that's a context specific question. It really depends on what your goals are, how much you need. Like we can say, you know, as a general rule, you want to do 10 to 20 sets per body part per week, we could say, right. So it's just a, a general, like that's generic. That's going to lead to results. But in reality, it's like, it's, incredibly hard to dial that in for you specifically because are we talking about you know 20 sets that are all taken to you know near failure like that's probably going to be far more fatiguing that's probably not going to be necessary to elicit the muscle gain the the muscle building or the muscle retention um that we want so you know if you're going to be taking everything to failure maybe we need less sets and conversely it's like if you're not going to be taking everything to failure or close to failure you're probably going to need more sets so it also depends on how you have structured your overall training intensity your overall training we'll call it style you know different things like that right so again it is a a much broader question and we are going to do some podcasts in the future and just like you know all these different training variables just you know let's actually map everything out, right and um, but this is a thing where it's impossible to say, however, I would not go into a fat loss phase thinking I need to increase my volume. And I also wouldn't go into a fat loss phase thinking, oh, I need to automatically decrease my volume because I'm in a fat loss phase. I don't think either of those thought processes are you know, correct. I don't think they help you make better decisions. I definitely think you should listen to your own biofeedback. I definitely think you should listen to how your body is responding, but I don't think you should go in there preemptively and be like, you know, I just started dieting. So I just dropped 250 calories out of the diet. That means I'm going to drop, you know, training volume by 25% or whatever it is. You know, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, that just, that does not make sense. Right. Um, So that's that question. Right. The next thing um, is, should you train lighter while dieting? Right. Like, is that something we should do? Because you see that all the time. You know, people will be like, okay, cool. We will do the same amount of work in terms of, you know, number of sets. Right. But then they go. But what I'm going to do is I was doing like, you know, a lot of six to eight reps. I was doing a lot of, you know, tens, you know, maybe even as high as 12s, right. And that's what I was doing throughout the whole, you know, rest of the year or whatever. Right. But then they go fat loss though. Fat loss time. So 15 reps, 20 reps, 25, 30 reps. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do low to 20 rep sets, a few 30 rep sets. You know, we, we want to do some heavy stuff. So we'll throw in a few occasional 15 rep sets, you know? And it's like, is that what we need to do for fat loss? Because that's obviously going to lead to an increased calorie burn because again, we're doing more work in that session because, you know, we're doing more volume overall, but is that correct? Young Gary? No fantastic let's move on um
0: i can elaborate if you want but do uh, well. yes i will elaborate uh look i mean when it comes to your overall resistance training parameters for fat loss right we've established that that, um, volume doesn't necessarily need to to change. And then we've got that relationship there between intensity. So how heavy the weight is, and then the number of reps that you're doing, the classical thing that people will do is they'll go lighter and they'll perform more repetitions. And this can have some utility. Okay. One of the things that this is useful for is for example, reducing the load on your joints, um, reducing the, the need to go towards your maximal strength. Uh, Some people find it easier to go to failure at lower intensities. But I think what we see most often in this case is that people will focus more on going lighter, higher reps, but do so for the sake of getting a pump or sweating more or feeling like they're doing more work. And this doesn't always align with their primary stated training goal of gaining muscle or strength. And sometimes people will end up actually pushing themselves less um, from that perspective, because all they're focusing on is how much they're sweating, how fast their heart is beating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that overall, look, you can make the case that like doing lots and lots and lots of reps is better for fat loss because you're going to end up burning more energy at some point because, you know, if you, you, you can't, you can't squat like 4,000 kilos, right? No one's going to do 4,000 kilos by one you rep. Can't I can't anyway. But you could do 40 kg for 100 reps, which is 4,000 kilos of work, you know? So at some point, there's like there's a point where of, of where you're just doing so many reps that yes, you are obviously going to burn more energy. But within the constraints of the workouts that people normally do, the number of sets you're going to be able to do, the duration of your workouts, et cetera, I don't think that, you know, bumping up the number of reps that you do and going lighter is going to lead to that much of a significant change in your energy expenditure that it's going to have a big impact on your fat loss outcomes. I think the important thing to understand is that resistance training is always a spectrum. Like if you go for a four hour run, you are doing resistance training. It's just a much lower load form of resistance training. Your leg is still landing, absorbing that force, propelling you forward. And if you were to slow all that down and look at what's actually happening, it's very similar to some of the resistance training exercises that we do, but you're not doing it with a big barbell on your back. So because the intensity is so low per repetition or per step, you're able to repeat that over and over and over again and do it continuously. That's clearly not best practice for gaining muscle or strength but what it is going to do is burn a lot of energy. Okay. So that might be useful for fat loss because the intensity is so low, probably not great for muscle or strength. So at the extreme, obviously that proves the point, but as you get closer, I think that once most of your training is within the range of six or five to 20 reps, let's say for people who are trying to maintain good body composition, I'm not too stressed. If someone has a preference for higher reps during a fat loss phase once they can push themselves close to failure, it's it's ultimately you know just just personal preference really from my perspective. Unless you're focused on maximal strength, of course.
1: Yeah, I would just like to note that if you go for a run and you weigh hundred kilos, like your, yeah. calves, your calves are going to feel it. Um, really? Yeah. It's definitely again once you start realizing that it is a spectrum where it's like you are effectively doing reps. You know, they're potentially body weight reps. Some of them obviously. You know, if you're like, going for a run or something, like potentially it's not necessarily the exact same because you know you're using a bit of momentum, you're using, whatever. Yeah, and there is a little bit of like you know your joint structures and like your tendons and stuff are designed to you know absorb forces in different ways. Like your Achilles tendon, for example, like you know that's doing a fucking lot of elastic work, and um, when you are running. But either way, when you get into your mind that you're like, okay, this is actually just a spectrum, and would I actually go? for you know a a 30 minute jog if i'm trying to build my legs you know probably not realistically that's not going to be the most effective way if you're going to try to get stronger legs trying to build muscle on your legs you know so why would you do that you know similar enough when you're in the gym and be like oh i'm just going to do higher reps now that's not to say that higher reps do not have their place however it is something where you're like okay this potentially shouldn't make up the, the meat and potatoes of my overall resistance training. Um, it's, you know, if you're going to do these higher reps, it's probably a little bit of garnish on the side, you know? Um, so that's that the next thing, and this is somewhat related because people will change their training practices a few different ways. Like, should we be focusing on, you know, these big, compound lifts, right? While dieting, right? Or should we be doing more isolation lifts? Because again, you see this in different ways from different, you know, camps, if you will, like people will be like, right, I'm dieting. So I'm only going to focus on my compound lifts because I have less energy available to me. So I want to get the most bang for my book. Right. And then you have other people that will be like, right, well, actually I'm just going to switch, you know, pretty much all to isolating exercises because I want to focus more on, you know, just really feeling the muscle. I'm going to be doing higher reps. I'm going to be doing like, it's a fat loss phase. So, you know, I really need to dial in on isolating. Every single little muscle, which again, it, you can already tell that it doesn't really make sense if we're trying to build muscle. It's like if you were trying to build muscle, you would use the same strategies you use to build that muscle, right? And um, so people will switch that up. And I know it is uh, very tempting to add in more isolating exercises especially as you get leaner because you know you're like oh I actually look fucking shredded here go to the gym I do my normal work and then I'm like I'll actually just throw in a couple more sets of like lateral raises a couple more sets of like bicep curls tricep push downs, whatever it is because you're like you know I can actually see all of these shreds on my arms or whatever so it's like yeah I'm just going to do a couple of extra sets here for this of these isolating exercises right and again it does become more and more apparent that you're like oh actually i can see the shreds of my chest what if i was only doing like cable flies or something i can get a really good pump with that so they start focusing on that kind of stuff rather than again the heavier stuff right so how do we navigate that gary like do we focus more on the compound lifts do we focus more on the isolation style lifts because the one negative potentially of focusing on compound lifts i didn't mention it there is that you know, it obviously is hard. It is, you know, quite hard to continue to push yourself heavier and heavier on these different lifts, especially as your body weight is getting lighter and lighter. So, like, what what should we do? Compounds, isolation? Perhaps it's a mix.
0: Uh, yes, perhaps it is a mix. That's what I would be aiming for. Is a mix, and again. Um similar principles to what you would be using when trying to pursue muscle gain. You know, you probably have a few so-called compound exercises and you have a few so-called isolation exercises. And I mean, some people do like to back off the compound movements a bit because they might get the most joy out of those when they're progressing their loads and they don't like to see them go down or not progress at the same rate. Um, And also there's the fact that some people find that because of the change in their leverages and the amount of soft tissue cushioning they've got when they begin to lose body fat, they don't really like doing the same exercises anymore. The classic example is a deep squat when you've no longer got all of the adipose tissue at the, over your hamstrings and your calves to reduce that range of motion a little bit, or give you that cushioning at the bottom, it doesn't feel quite as nice to to do those exercises. And some people don't like that. So they might back off those in favor of something that um, is more isolation based. It's not necessarily wrong. And I think that the thing to understand is that when you're doing hypertrophy training and you're training for the purpose of body composition and health as well, there's nothing you need to do you know, that's the reality of it. And if you wish to change your program during a fat loss phase, because it makes you enjoy your training more, and you're still able to push yourself, that's fine, you know, but ultimately, what is optimal comes down to what your goals are. And if you foresee that after your fat loss phase, you'll still, you'll want to get stronger at your deadlift, then it makes no sense to take deadlift out just because you're dieting, you're not progressing as much. The reality is that training is is a very long term, slow process. And during your fat loss phase, your deadlift might not progress, or it might only progress a tiny bit, or it might even regress if you're getting very, very lean. But the reality is that doing that, is going to lead to you now at least being in the similar ballpark range to where you were when you get into your next gaining phase versus the person who gets into their next gaining phase having not deadlifted for four months. And now they're trying to catch up to where they were limiting their overall progress for the sake of how they felt during that fat loss phase. So keep that long-term perspective in mind. I don't think it's, um, necessarily the case that you need to do more compound movements to get more bang for your buck. Because I think that what tends to be you know, nice is accepting that trade-off that maybe strength mightn't progress as much, but that pe- you'll probably enjoy your isolation exercises a little bit more, which most people do, because you see a bit more muscularity. You might see more vascularity. Your pumps might be better now that you get leaner. And overall, that can make the training process a little bit more enjoyable. So I think a mix between the two with some scope for flexibility based on um, personal preference and also long-term goals, uh, that would be my perspective anyway.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. And I think, again, it is that kind of, mix between the two that is going to be ideal. And that's the same for when you are building muscle as well. Like you don't want to just purely focus on, you know, compound exercises, never focusing on isolation work and vice versa. You don't want to only focus on isolation work and never focus on these more compound lifts like you do want to do the the mix of the two of those you want to you know effectively create a an all-encompassing program it's not just oh i only do you know heavy lifts right that's you're going to run into problems with that approach and the same again if you're like i only ever do isolating exercises that are only dialed into like one specific muscle it's like you know the body is meant to work in some sort of like synergy it is meant to work as a whole unit not just like the sum of its parts right um so i think again it makes it just makes sense right now what proportion again it depends on your goals it depends on what makes sense for you depends on like are you trying to be stronger overall are you trying to get better at certain lifts like maybe you're a power lifter who wants to get you know lose some fat obviously it makes sense to do your competition lifts so your, your compound lifts. If you're someone that again is like, oh, I actually really want, like you said, I want to get stronger at XYZ, it's like, okay, well, it makes sense to keep them in it rather than just being like, oh, well, like I'll just, you know, get back to them after the fat loss phase. Right. And one of the things that you do need to do when you are, especially keeping compound movements in the workout, is that you do need to go in with the mindset that you're still trying to progress. You're not just going in to tick the box of like, oh, I did my lift, I, I got the reps, I got the same weight. It's like you don't want to just spend, four months or however long you're dieting and be like I did the exact same weight throughout now that might happen because you know you're at the higher end of your genetic potential for this lift or you know your current genetic potential anyway for this lift and you're like I'm, I'm maintaining it would be good right if that's the case happy days but for most people it's just not the case you're nowhere near your actual potential for that lift and as a result you can still be improving throughout the whole dieting phase you just need to go in with the right mindset rather than thinking like oh I'll just you know tick the box you need to go in with that kind of attack mindset of like let's get this done right and um, which does bring me to the next question gary are you going to get weaker when you diet is it just a foregone conclusion are you like is is that just something that we have to deal with is that just you know you're going to get weaker, bro. Sorry. You just dropped calories, strength gone.
0: Absolutely not. I think that for most of my clients, and maybe I'm just a wizard, you know, of course, um, most people gain strength, you know, most people gain strength during dieting. And that's often because when someone, again, when someone begins the process of dieting, they try to dial everything in. They're a bit more focused on their pre-workout nutrition. They're focused on tracking their training. They're focused on having their pre-workout, their coffee, their hydration everything's on point. And as a result, there's some extra things that we've got in the tank that we might not have had before, because we're so focused right now. But also, um, there's a case that like, there's not really much of a reason that you would have to lose strength. Like, yes, you were in an energy deficit. Yes, you don't have as much to allocate to performance and recovery. But when it comes to maximal strength, we wouldn't expect that to drop off significantly unless you're You know, losing very significant amounts of weight, like if you're losing twenty kilos, and your body, you know, proportions have totally changed and everything now, and the exercise feels different, that's fine. But most people, you know, might want to. They might come to us and they're like, right, I want to lose ten pounds, okay, so four to five kilos, let's say. If we lose that over the course of eight to twelve weeks. That's a very reasonable rate of fat loss. It's not that significant overall. Wouldn't expect them unless they're getting super lean to be in a position where their physiology is going to have you know severe repercussions. You know their hormones are going to be tanked, their energy levels are crap, their libido's gone. I wouldn't expect any of that to be a major issue for that type of individual, and thus I wouldn't expect strength to be something that is going to drop. It does sometimes, and it might slow down its rate of progress. But in the vast majority of cases, I expect people to gain strength. And that is especially the case if you're still early on in your training career and or if you are just beginning to manage your overall training and nutrition a bit better. The reality is that most people have lots of scope for improvement with how they put together their training, you know, how they actually program over the long term. And if you're not already exploiting all of those things that could potentially be contributing to your strength then I absolutely would expect you to have strength gains in the tank, even if you are in an energy deficit.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. Like I always find, even just personally, like anecdotally, that I continue getting stronger even when dieting. I actually prefer getting stronger while dieting. Like I find that dieting really helps the strength gaining process because again, like you said, everything's dialed in. I'm pretty dialed in most of the time. But again, like with fat loss, you are that little, you know, even if it's 5% extra dialed in, it's like, you know, it it helps. Right. But also stuff like, you know, losing weight helps with your sleep generally. Right. Because, you know, you get better, deeper sleep. You're not getting like any like sleep apnea, even if you're not, you don't actually have truly sleep sleep apnea. Like you know, weighing less does actually help improve your sleep. Now, obviously, there's a caveat to there, because if you are in a fucking 2000 calorie deficit, like you're just eating nothing, sleep's probably going to be negatively impacted. And then obviously, as you get into those leaner and leaner stages, there is the potential for a sleep disruption there as well. And but I know even like yourself, Gary, like when you're dieting, like your metabolic rate kind of slows down a little bit. So you're not like pumping out sweat at night, you know, and your sleep is much deeper, you know? So stuff like that, it's like, oh, your recovery is actually better by virtue of dieting, by virtue of trying to lose fat. So it's like, there are other things working in your favor. And again, this is just one of those carryovers where if you are a competitive bodybuilder, especially a natural one, you are probably going to get weaker. You are probably going to feel, you know, pretty crappy as you get leaner and leaner right but we're talking about going from you know 12 percent down to like six percent or something right like you're not going to feel those same things going from 18 percent down to 10 percent right you're not going to feel as bad well there are obviously going to be diet adaptations and there are obviously going to be some potential negative feelings around dieting like you're not getting to eat as much food and stuff and it's not the same. It's just it's simply not the same as having to get down to ridiculously low levels of body fat. Right. And this is also especially the case when we talk about you know, enhanced bodybuilding, because, you know, by the time they're getting down to those levels of body fat, they're also on copious amounts of fucking drugs right and you might be thinking oh well that'll obviously help you but that's not always the case because some of the drugs you know they're making them you know they feel like crap going into the gym you know they're not able to eat as much which you might be like that's great from a fat loss perspective but it's throwing off like this kind of gastrointestinal upset so they're like oh i just i don't have the 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 motivation if you will to kind of push it hard in the gym right and obviously again they're fucking ridiculously shredded so like it, it doesn't exactly lend itself to wanting to push yourself in the gym or potentially maintaining even the strength that you have built, right? But again, even if you see you know, enhanced bodybuilders, they will still be trying to maintain as much strength as possible as long as possible into that diet. So we don't want to get weaker. We want to try to stay as strong. Like getting weaker is never the objective. So don't go in with the mindset of I'm going to get weaker. And then you probably won't, right? Again, like I said, most of my clients, they get stronger through the process. You know, the vast majority of them. Now, again, that could be just the clientele that we work with, you know, general population. Um, but I'd hazard a guess that the vast majority of the people that are listening to this are in the general population. And the vast majority, if you're not, the vast majority of the uh, people listening here, the people that they coach are in the general population. So it's kind of like, doesn't fucking matter you know it's like the only people that it matters for the only people that are going to get weaker are potentially again bodybuilders who are getting very lean or potentially athletes who are who are already at the absolute pinnacle of their game they're absolutely dialed in already and now if we just remove some energy it's like okay well now obviously you know strength and other metrics are potentially going to be impacted right so That is something to be aware of. Do you have anything else to add to that, Gary?
0: No, that's good with me.
1: Fantastic. Right. Another question I have here. Well, I've effectively two more. And this second last one is Should you do more training sessions to burn more calories? Right. And this is a bit of an open ended question because it's it's a bit of a leading question because it does also tie in with the next podcast, which is, you know, maybe you do want to do a mix of resistance training and cardiovascular training. So potentially doing more training sessions does actually make sense, but let's look at it purely from a resistance training perspective right now. Like again, fat loss is the goal. We were doing four sessions per week. Do we just bump that up to
0: six sessions per week? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you could. <laughs> one thing One thing that actually would be useful in that case and that I think you can make the case for is Let's say you're keeping your overall volume from the four days the same, but you decide to have shorter sessions so that they're not as fatiguing per session, but you spread it out across six days. That's actually quite a nice option. And for people who have the time, and I know a number of bodybuilders who do this, if you can do like two workouts a day without like increasing your overall volume, like you take the workout that you're doing already, let's say it's 75 minutes in duration and you do uh, 40, 40 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the evening that's actually something that could work super well because you're able to maintain your focus on each component of the workout. Because what can happen, especially when you're dieting is that because the gas tank is a little bit lower, you might be really focused for the first two, three exercises, but then the, the rest of the session is just a chore. And that means you're not getting those same benefits out of the end of that session. So, I mean, you could do that. But I think practically the vast majority of people aren't really able to do that, especially if you're, you, know, you have a real job in the real world. You're not just a personal trainer who has access to a gym whenever they want. Um, I think that that's not realistic. So I think that if there are benefits to doing more sessions, it's really for practical reasons where you're trying to find a schedule that allows you to put in the most effort to the work that you're already able to recover from. I don't think you need to, you know, focus on suddenly training every single day if you weren't doing that previously. But I do think that one thing I like people to do is pay more attention now to um, taking on opportunities to be physically active. And that's things like going for walks. Maybe it might be doing some surfing, going swimming, doing lots of different activities that are not that fatiguing, that are enjoyable to do and don't feel like training as such. Um, but that are leading to higher overall energy output. That also leads to you being busier in your life. So for example, if at the weekends, you're normally sitting around and now you're doing things outdoors, there are also opportunities where you're no longer just food focused. You're not sitting at home thinking about, you know, what's in the cupboard or when you'll have your next meal. I think all those things can have really nice practical benefits along with the increase in energy expenditure. So I guess my answer is, Yes. Try to be more active. You know, you could split up your training, but I wouldn't necessarily suggest suddenly adding on lots of extra days of training. If it's not something you were previously doing. I
1: couldn't agree with you more. Right. And then the final question for this resistance training episode is, should you do resistance training or cardio training? Because cardio burns more calories right and obviously this is a very leading question into the the next podcast And but what are your thoughts here seeing as we just did a resistance training podcast should we just prioritize resistance training or should we you know do cardio training because obviously like cardio again it burns more calories so like obviously again it's all coming back to this calorie argument gary um or perhaps again maybe just maybe there is a an in-between point here that actually makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, again, it it actually is quite easy to burn a hell of a lot of calories when you're just doing cardio. Like I could go out and sit on, you know, the assault bike, or if you have a spin bike or a cross trainer, or you're going out for a, a jog or whatever. And I could do that for two, three, four hours, you know, realistically I could probably you know keep going if I maintain the intensity low enough. And I could get myself through it. I might watch a movie. I might watch a lecture. I might listen to the podcast or audiobook or whatever. And I'll get myself through it. And I'll burn a hell of a lot of calories, way more than if I was just sitting here. I probably couldn't go into the gym and do squats and leg training for four hours. I'd be a sorry boy because of the fatigue that comes from that. And I'd be pretty sore and probably wouldn't be able to engage in the rest of my training for the week. So again, at the extremes, yes, you can burn more calories through lower level activities or cardio, so to speak, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good idea because there does come a point where, you know, your appetite will catch up with you. It's very easy, especially in the modern environment for it to catch up with you. And if you're just trying to burn more calories up to a point where you're taking your energy expenditure from 2,500 up to like 4,000 per day, you're probably going to find it really difficult to manage your nutrition as a result because, you know, your, your appetite can very often overcompensate, especially if you're someone that already struggles with that. And you're ultimately doing activity purely for the purpose of calorie burning. And you'll find yourself probably developing somewhat of a poor relationship, um, you know, with your, your exercise as a result of that. So, so yeah, um, I think the the key point is, you know, do resistance training and cardio, uh, that's always our recommendation for health. And I think that, um, doing weight training as your primary focus with supplementary cardio is the way I would generally view it for most people.
1: I agree Gary I have nothing else to add really because I think again it just makes sense to do both you know you know obviously that's coming from a position of having time luxury but then again the two of us do not have time luxury as unfortunately or fortunately we both run a business and we also have many other stuff that we do <laughs> many other things. So you don't exactly have a lot of hours in the day. However, even in that case, it does still make sense to do both, do your resistance training, then add in some cardiovascular training on top of that, whether that is, you know, some high intensity stuff at the end of workouts, whether that is some just low intensity stuff, you know, you're actually going in and doing a, like a low intensity hour long jog or whatever, you know, um, or if it's the case of, you know, you're just going out and you're actually just racking up some steps Like that is all like cardiovascular work to some extent, right? So again, it really depends, but in general, I'm going to say the order of priority here from a fat loss perspective is get your resistance training done, because that's going to lead to the vast majority of the benefits that we're looking for outside of just manipulating calorie balance. And then on top of that, we're going to bring in some cardiovascular training again we're talking about fat loss for the effect of you know burning through some extra calories here. Now, obviously, cardio has a lot of other benefits on top of that, but that is something to be aware of, right? Anyway, look, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, Gary, do you have anything else to say about resistance training and fat loss? And if not, where can people find us?
0: No, I just think that in summary, it's very wise to prioritize weight training if you are trying to lose body fat. And I would encourage you to pass that message on i think this is a really important thing because many people in the general population are always trying different diets you know they might go to weight watchers or they might do slimming world or whatever they're always trying something um and maybe not engaging in any weight training so passing that message on beyond just our kind of corner of the fitness industry i feel is really important especially because Although obesity is something that people consider to be the main ailment of the modern age, so too are other diseases associated with aging, such as sarcopenia, loss of muscle mass, osteoporosis, basically summarized as progressive weakness associated with aging. So if you're able to offset that through resistance training, independent of any change in your body weight, that's a really positive thing. And additionally, if you are focused on your health, and you know, weight loss is something that can improve your health. Absolutely, it can. But independent of that change in weight, weight training can also improve your health and also improve how good you look, how good you feel, and what you can do with your body. And I think that's something that's really powerful. So, in summary, um, lift weights. There you go. That's it. And if you'd like to hear more from us, you'd like to work with us, you can get in touch and work with one of our coaches here at the Triage Coaching team. We offer full coaching with training and nutrition, or you can opt for. The nutrition only option. If you're someone who just needs to get your nutrition in order, improve your relationship with food, you know, fuel your training to the maximal ability, um, whichever you're trying to achieve, we can hopefully try to facilitate that. So get in touch. Links below, as always. Uh, you can you know visit the description box, where there you'll find our. Uh, newsletter. You'll find links to our Facebook groups, and um, you'll find links to the podcast, our social media, etc. And recommend getting involved with all of those various avenues of keeping up with our content. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, do share it, pop it on your story, tell someone about it. You know, you might know someone who's trying to lose body fat, and you can tell them that oh, these triage guys—they've just done a full fat loss series. Listen to it on your commute to work, double speed. And you'll learn a lot. So get on it.
1: I would argue triple speed. But anyway, that's, you know, semantics here.
0: I talk pretty fast, you know, I'm from Kerry. So
1: that's fair enough. I do as well, but that's because I have ADHD. But anyway, um, yeah, I have nothing else to say, you know, engage with our content, share it, do all that lovely stuff. And there is a lot of stuff behind in the works, whatever that saying is in the works. I don't know, whatever. Um, So get involved because there's a lot more coming forward in the next few days weeks months and years right and um, so you know you want to be those people that say like oh i've been following you since day one right you don't have that opportunity right now if you haven't been following but at least you know get in before the crowds you know you know what i'm saying and um, anyway i have nothing else to say enjoy yourself enjoy the week and um, and again it does help us when you share and do all that you know fun stuff that everyone asks for on a podcast anyway look we'll catch you in the next one